Last week, we had talked about what it means to be a Christian. And we kind of laid out from the Word of God, not in any exhaustive way. I mean, there's a lot more in the Word of God, but we gave you several points on what it means to be a Christian. What, what are some of the things that we should uh, apply in our life? Well, today, I want to go one step further. We looked at what it means to be a Christian, and we used one of these scriptures in 1 Peter 2.21. It says, and we should follow his steps, or we should follow the example of Christ set. So in other words, we should walk in his steps. And what I want to do this morning is I want to share with you five characteristics of Jesus Christ that we can strive for in our lives as we follow in his steps. In other words, listen to this. Let's, let's look at this verse, 1 John 2, 6 in the Amplified. It says, whoever says he abides in him. So we're talking about abiding Jesus. How many of here abide in Christ? Amen? Put your hand up. I abide in Christ. That's right. We abide in Now look what it says. Whoever says that he abides in him ought as a personal debt to walk and conduct himself in the same way in which he walked and conducted himself. How many believe that we owe Jesus our life? We owe Jesus everything, right? Everything. He gave everything for us. He paid a price that we could never pay in a million years. Right? And he paid that price, and so we owe him everything. That's why I believe that they added as a personal debt. Now, that's not the word, okay? But that is a good comment. It's showing us something that, at the very least, dear Lord, he gave us everything. I should give him everything. Now, in that, we owe him our very lives. We owe him everything. Then, what the Bible is saying here is that if we say that we abide in Him, and for everything the Lord Jesus did in our lives, then at the very least, we ought to walk. We ought to conduct ourselves like Him. We ought to be like Jesus. Say it with me. Be like Jesus. We ought to be like Him. We ought to... That really, to be honest with you, listen carefully, everyone. This is one of the things that should be the focus in your life to be more Christ-like while we're here on earth. To be more Christ-like. There is no better goal, there's no better success goal than to be more Christ-like. There's nothing you can do in life to glorify God more than to be more Christ-like in your life. But that means what? If we're going to be more like Christ, that means we need to be what? Less like me, like me. If I'm going to be more like him, i got to be less like me. I have to look at him and I have to say, okay, I need to make some changes in our life. That's our least favorite thing to do. How many would agree? Our least favorite thing to do is make changes in our life. We talk about change and we, we admire change, but when it comes right down to it, when it gets in our life, it hurts a little. It stings a little bit. It's easy to talk about change. For example, I want to change and get healthier. Well, that's a great thing to do, but the fact is how many know it's a lot more work involved than just saying it. It doesn't matter what it is in life. You might say, I want to get rid of all debt. I want to increase my savings. I want to give more. All those things are noble things to do. They're good things to do, but the reality is is that it takes great change in our thinking and how we handle things and what we do in life to get there. And so for us to be more Christ-like, which is again, listen carefully, the greatest thing you could do is to be more Christ-like in this life. It takes change. We have to look at some things. And so today, I'm just going to give you five characteristics. These are not the beginning and end all. It would take a long time (laughs) to study Jesus and really mark down all the things that he had done or how he acted towards things. Or, In fact, the Bible clearly tells us that there's not enough books in the world to write down everything Jesus did. There's 
so much about Jesus, but what we're going to do is narrow down kind of five bigger ones, okay? Bigger characteristics that, again, what we want to do is look at Jesus, that's how he was, and that's what I want to apply in my life. That's what I want to be like. And so let's start off with number one. If you want to title the message, call it Following the Example of Christ. Follow the Example of Christ. So we're going to give you five Christ is, all right? And we'll fill it in as we're going along. So number one, Christ is unselfish. Christ is unselfish. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God demonstrates His own love toward us. So it's saying this is what He did to show His love. That's what demonstrate means. He showed His love for us, not by just mere words, but in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want to camp on that for just a moment. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Again, one more time. Listen carefully. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Now, think about that for just a moment. What does a sinner do? Well, a sinner is unthankful. A sinner doesn't regard anything else. Think about the characteristics of a sinner. A sinner is not appreciative, does not consider things. And the Bible says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What does that mean? That while we were still unthankful, we didn't even know we needed Jesus. We were on our way to hell. You would be born and go to hell and you didn't know. And yet while we were still sinners, while we were still in that state, while we would have said, crucify him. While we would have said, take those cords with those tails that are wrapped around them and rip his flesh right off his body. We were the ones that put him there. Christ didn't come for those who had everything good. Christ came for what? For sinners, right? Christ died for us while we were still sinners. You didn't say thank you. You didn't even say, Lord, I need your help. You do nothing. Nothing. And yet, He was willing to come and give His life for you, and you didn't even know you needed Him to do it. I mean, think about it. A lot of the times, what do we do when we do something nice for someone? Um, um, thank you. Hello. No one has ever done that in this room. Especially with the ones that are closest to us, we expect it. Sometimes we might do something for someone that we know isn't going to do it. Or maybe we did something for them and didn't let them know who did it. But sometimes we like that. Especially with family members, you know. <clears throat> you know. <laughs> Listen carefully. Jesus didn't do a, <clears throat> he didn't do a, a hello. He didn't do any of that for us. No, he died for us while we were still sinners. We deserve to die for our sins. Romans 6, 23 tells us, for the wages of sin is what? Death. That is the penalty or the payment for sin is death. It was ours. We were supposed to pay it. But Christ came and took our sins on himself and gave us his life in our place. I'm telling you, that is the great substitutionary work of Christ. That He did something He didn't have to do. That He did something that we were not thanking Him for. That we didn't even know about it. It wasn't until someone preached Christ to you. It wasn't until someone showed you the gospel that you even knew He did it for you. So you couldn't have said anything back then anyway. All you can say is what? Thank you. All I can do, honestly is give my life to you, Lord, because I owe you everything. 
I owe you everything. And so the Lord led an unselfish life. He led a selfless life. He never did anything for himself. He didn't live his life that way. Remember when he said that I didn't come to what? Be served. Now think about who he is, the Lord of glory, the master, the creator of the universe. He created us. (laughs) And yet he says, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And he's on his knees serving others. Man, I tell you, we have a lifetime to learn about how unselfish he really is. A lifetime. Because I don't think in any one particular moment we can completely fathom it. I don't think we have enough in us to to contain it. And so this is something we grow in. And we grow in. And we grow in. But Christ is unselfish and that is something that we need to apply in our life. That when we see selfishness rise up, we need to push it down. And say, no, I'll not live that way. We must deny ourselves and live for Christ and others. It's easy to say, I denied myself and I live for Christ. But how do I truly live for Christ? By loving others. By being unselfish with others. You can't just say, oh Lord, I love you, and then ignore something else. That's not the way it is. What did Jesus say? Jesus said that if you've done it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. Jesus looks very closely at how we interact with one another. Whether it be the body of Christ interacting with one another or how we deal with the world. How we treat someone, what we do for them, how we perceive them, and what we act on is a direct reflection of our love for Him. And he takes it very personally. You walk away from someone or you are selfish with someone. Trust me, guys. He's taking that personally to himself. And so we need to understand that we need to live a life that is focused on the needs of others and how we can help others, not just focus on ourselves. Now, here's the great thing. God had a plan. You might say, well, what about my needs? Let's be honest. I mean, don't you got some things that you'd like, right? Some of you are not going to respond, not even flinch at that word. I mean, I'm looking at you, and I don't even see eyeballs moving. But am I the only one that feels that way? Well, what about something I'd like occasionally? Because you're thinking, well, pastor, I mean, you just preached about not focusing. Well, here's the great thing, that if my life is lived for Christ and loving others... Do I not reap what I sow? So God put a law into motion. Isn't God smart? He's like, if you'll live your life for me and live your life pouring that love for me into others, it'll come back to you more than you can handle it. But not one time are you seeking it. See, I'm not living to reap what I sow. You get what I'm saying? I'm living for Christ and manifesting that through people and it just comes back to me and comes back to me and comes back to me. God knew what he was doing. He didn't leave us out. You think God's concerned about your desires? Seriously. Do you think he is? I I truly believe. What gives you great joy when you can bless one of your own children or grandchildren with something that maybe they really, you know they wanted but they didn't ask for? Doesn't it do your heart just, it's a wonderful thing to see the expression on their face when you can give them something and they really wanted it but they never did ask for it. Well, think about what the Lord would like to do in your life. Grand, grand things. I've seen the Lord show up in my life in such sweet ways over the years. Sweet ways. I didn't ask for it. I didn't pursue it. I was busy doing the kingdom business. But yet these things overtook me. I can't outgive God. <laughs> I can't. And the more I pursue things with my focus that direction, it just keeps on coming back to me over here. God is so good to us. He has good things on earth for us. And we get to heaven, it's going to blow your minds. You're going to get there. And, and he did some things for you. Remember, what did Jesus go to do? 
to prepare a place for you? You think he knows you? He knows you better than you know yourself. I mean, we're going to someday arrive and he's going to say, that's for you, son. That's for you, daughter. And you're going to look at that and think that is everything I've ever wanted. And there's things there that even I didn't think of, but I love them. I mean, why? Because God made you and he knows everything about you. Amen. Some of you don't seem very happy about that. I don't know about you, but it excites me. My Lord, my Lord knows me so well that when one hair falls off my head, he's got it. Just one hair. Amen? I'm not looking at you, Philip, or you, Larry. You guys are glued on me. Or Andy. (laughs) God knows a lot about you guys. (laughs) Now listen. The Lord loves us. Amen. Matthew 16, 24 in the New Living says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, how many of you want to be a follower of Christ? I want to be his follower. What did he say here? You must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross. Everybody say, take up my cross. Okay, everybody this time, take up my cross. You have to take up your cross. Now, what does that mean? Somebody say, well, 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 I'm not being crucified. I mean, I'm not. Well, the Bible does talk about us crucifying our flesh. A good way to say this is, I've heard this before. You know how the cross is like this, right? It could be that you're going along and taking up your cross is where your will crosses God's will. And you have to make a choice. Which way do I go? What did Jesus do in the garden? Lord, if there's any way that we could do this differently, any way, and he stopped himself and said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will, Lord. I'll go your way. And he was under such stress, we could not fathom it. Such stress, so much stress with that decision that he was literally sweating drops of blood. He was under that much stress. But, but that's what the decision he was making. He came to a place where he had to pick up his cross. His will wanted to not go this route. But God's will said, we need to, son. And he said, nevertheless, I'll go. So in your life, you will come to spots in your life. Sometimes you might even hear me preaching. And you'll say, I wish I wouldn't have heard that. Because now I have to do something with it. See, before I was ignorant, I didn't know that. And so I could just kind of let it slide. Maybe you had a hint, but you didn't just hear it. But all of a sudden, some preacher is preaching the Word of God, and your eyes are wide open, and you heard it, and you're like, Now I have to do something with what I heard, or I'm just going to have to just deny I heard it, Lord. And He knows I did. And so now I have to make a decision. My will, His will, what am I going to do? That's taking up your cross. So if we want to be a follower of Christ, what decision do we have to make? I'm going to go His way. Even though it's uncomfortable sometimes. Even though it seems like, it almost seems like the wrong natural decision. It almost seems like the decision that I just don't want to make. My flesh is recoiling at it. See, if your flesh is always comfortable with the things of God, something's wrong in your life. You're really not yielding to the Lord. If your flesh is comfortable all the time, because the flesh is opposite the Spirit. The Spirit, remember what Jesus said? Remember when He was trying to get the disciples to pray? The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The flesh always wants what it wants, and it wants now. Right? I mean, if you start thinking about right now, Okay, you could change your lunch plans by just focusing on some of your favorite foods. And if you start focusing on them, the more you think about them, the more your flesh says, yeah, that's what I want. Make it happen. <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's just this thing stirs up and stirs up and stirs up until even if you don't do it today, you'll do it in a few days because it's just you ever have that thing. I just craving few weeks ago my wife and I went to Cracker Barrel in Tulsa with my dad 
and we happened to go, went on a Friday night. And we were there, and they had this Friday fish special thing, and it was this fried cod. And so I thought, my dad thought, yeah, let's try it, you know. I mean, and so we got it, and it was awesome. I mean, no, it was life-changing awesome. It was that good, all right. And so a couple weeks later, I am craving this now. I can't get it off my mind. I'm telling my wife all the time, but they only do it on Fridays, and we couldn't make it. We couldn't make it. Just nothing ever worked out. Finally, we were going out with a couple of friends, and we said, hey, let's go to Cracker Barrel Friday night. You know? And so we, we get over there. The sad part is you know, the flesh is just pushing, 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 and I'm, I'm ordering it all in anticipation. I'm, I'm like ready to go. They give it to me, and it's just crud. It's like all I'm getting is nothing. There's nothing there. It's fried, fried. No fish. It was just that bad. And just ruined the experience, you know. My flesh is, oh, guess I got to find a new life-changing experience meal, huh? But my point is, for a couple of weeks, I just couldn't get it out of me. I just couldn't. I'm thinking about it all the time and how good that was. And, and you know, and, and they, they even had their homemade tartar sauce. And it was good. I mean, if, you're, if you like fish and you like that sort of thing. But my point is this, is that our flesh is a powerful force in our life that must be controlled by the Spirit. We must yield ourselves and say, Lord, and if I need help, Lord, help me. I want to make the right decision. I want to go the right way. I want to do the right thing. And the Lord will come by and help you. But we need to understand, we need to live unselfish lives. Amen? Christ is unselfish. Uh, The second characteristic, Christ is compassionate. Christ is compassionate. Psalm 103, verses 13 and 14 in the New Living says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Now, how many would agree that we are very, very tiny compared to God? (laughs) I don't mean just physically. I just mean He's God, you know, and and I'm me. (laughs) You know, He is, I am very uh, fragile. I'm like dust. It wouldn't take much to take me out, right? I mean, we can get in a big hailstorm and be not much of us. You know, what I'm saying is we are fragile creatures in that sense, our flesh. We have emotions. We have, uh, you know, all these feelings. We have all these things that make us humans. And of course, when you mix sin in there, because sin and death are in the world, it further complicates things. Think about how big God is. Let me give you an example that might help you. Have you ever, I I remember when my kids were really little, I'm talking really little, and they first started to like, maybe they could talk a little bit and they would draw me something. And I mean, you know, a circle was like this. And back again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But they were so proud of what they did. Look at dad, that's a mountain. And I'm like, I can't see a mountain, but nonetheless, you know, they're convinced it's a mountain. That's what they were going for anyway. That <laughs> was the picture in their head. And they're so proud of it. And they're looking at me. Now, what am I to them? I look at that and I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm thinking, that is, <laughs> you got a long ways to go, honey. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's barely discernible, okay? Um, it's like hearing a, a little baby talk and maybe the, only, the mom's the only one that can interpret or maybe an older sister or brother or something. But they're, it's like they're talking a foreign language and they're so proud of what they did and what they said. And like, I got nothing. Is there a vast difference between our intelligence and abilities and theirs? How many would agree? Now I want you to think about this. But I'm still proud of them. I'm like, good job. You keep on doing that. And they're like, yay. And I feel like they feel like the greatest thing in the world, that they drew a Picasso. I mean, the world, frame it, Dad. They'll give millions. That's how they see it. Am I, you guys understand what I'm saying? And, and I'm looking at that thinking, it's not exactly what you think, but I'm proud of you for trying. I'm proud of you for doing a good job. Now, let's look at God between us. Maybe we grew up and matured 
where we can believe God and do bigger things than we could when we were a little more immature. And we do something, and, and we think it's the greatest feat of faith on the planet. Man, we just, we saw so many people get saved, and we saw, we gave $100,000 into missions after this, and we're just, yeah, man, we're just pumped up. Lord, did you see this? And God's looking at like that little picture. Well, I, that's a good job, son. <laughs> and we think it's the greatest thing in the planet. Do you think there's a difference there? Anyway, how God perceives things and how we do. The same thing with that child. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? Think about it. God knows everything about everything. And he's everywhere all the time. And he's all powerful. And here we are. Look what I did, daddy. And my faith worked. I'm healed. (laughs) And he's like, that is such a good job. In, In other words, to him, it's like, like nothing it's it's and and yet to us it's like this big thing what i'm trying to get you to see is how big god is and how he sees us look again psalm 103 verses 13 and 14 the lord is like a father to his children tender and compassionate to those who fear him for he knows how weak we are he remembers we are only dust We're so fragile compared to him. And yet, when Christ was here on earth, think about the compassion he had for others. How he would always go the extra mile for others. Even when, you know, him and the disciples maybe haven't slept in a day or two, they've been moving, they're tired. How many believe Jesus got tired? We know, remember? They went through a storm and he was in the boat and got irritated because he got woke up. He was tired. He was a man. He, he was in flesh and blood like you and me. He could get hungry. He could get irritated. He could get mad. He could be happy and sad and, and hear good news and bad and, and all these things. And yet, every single time when it came to people and they were coming to him, and coming to him, and coming to him, he would say, guys, push on further. we got to feed them. we got to help them. We have to, we have to make sure that every last one of them leaves here healed. We have to make sure that they're fed. We have to make sure, did he care for people? Did he care? No, he would go above and beyond. Several times the disciples tried to get him, come on, he's like the evangelist, drawing in hundreds of thousands of people. Come on, you have a life too. You need to go rest too. No, not, at, not until they get theirs. Not until they get theirs. Not until I can do everything I can for them. And I'm telling you guys, of course, amazing things were done through him, but he had great compassion on the sick, the lame, the blind, the poor, the sinful. He would go after he would not be afraid to minister to prostitutes and those who you know, would be on the low end of society. He was not afraid to put himself out there. He would go to anybody that called on him. Anybody. And see, we need to understand in our life that same compassion, that same love for people needs to be expressed in our life. That we would go to any length. And if that means emptying my wallet, Lord, that's okay because you supply all my need. I'm doing what you would have me do. Now, sometimes it doesn't mean do that. It just means serve. It means help. It means whatever you can do, pray. We need to remember that his compassions fail not, the Bible says. His compassions or his mercy are always there. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you and I are his body. We're the expression of Christ on the earth in that compassion. Christ understands and cares about the weaknesses and needs of mankind. He understands what we're going through. One of the reasons that he is our high priest now, the way it worked, God had a plan. I want Jesus to fully understand what it's like to be a person, to be a human being. And then I'm going to make him high priest. So that means when we go to him, we, listen to me, we have a high priest, listen carefully everyone, that understands what we're going through. That understands how we feel. 
that understands what it means to be cold and what it means to be hot, what it means to be hungry, what it means to be hurting, what it means to have everyone turn their back on you, what it means to have pain, what it means to go through life and, and, and experience all the emotional ups and downs. Our God understands us. You understand that? You can't say, well, Lord, you're God. You don't understand. Oh, he understands. He understands. Think about it. The very night, the very night he's with his disciples, and he, <laughs> it was tearing him up. He knew what was about to happen to him. And he said, you guys are all going to leave me this very night. I'm paraphrasing. But that's what he said. And they're all, no, we'll never leave you. <laughs> they scattered. Some of them even left their clothes. I mean, pew, man, they hit the road. I mean, Peter cussed several times in denying Christ. He knows what it feels like to be abandoned. All these people that said they would give their lives and then walk away from him. And then the sad thing is, here is Jesus being put on the spot. And all these people he created. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. And yet you're accusing him of these things just so they could ultimately destroy him. What I'm trying to say is Jesus Christ is compassionate. He's always remembering and understanding of others. He's caring for others. He's looking at their needs. Even if they're sometimes their financial needs, sometimes their physical needs, sometimes their spiritual needs. Sometimes somebody just needs a hug. Sometimes somebody just needs to know it's going to be okay. I'm there for you. And mean it. And be there for them. In other words, maybe lose a little sleep to be there for them. Not say, well, I wish you the best. And, uh, you know, I'll pray for you that all will work out. And then you leave. Well, that's not helping. How about you open your wallet? Can I, you guys eating anything? Can I get you anything? Can I take care of the kids for a couple nights? Can I make you a few meals? In other words, lose a little bit of yourself. Go the extra mile. Amen? Christ is compassionate. Another characteristic, number three, is Christ is unfailing. Christ is unfailing. I love this. Deuteronomy 31, verse 8 in the New Living. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will never fail you nor abandon you. Isn't that wonderful? He will never fail you. He will never fail you. Praise God. That's why we can be sure we will never have another incident like we had with Adam. Because Jesus is in charge and he will never fail us. We will never have another situation like we had with Adam. The second Adam will not fail. Amen? Christ is an unfailing friend. Proverbs 18.24 says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's Jesus. Christ is dependable and trustworthy. And we should follow His example in our lives. We should listen carefully. We should be true to God. We should be true to others and true to ourselves. We must be faithful. Like Christ, we must never give up. Philippians 4.13 says what? That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Say it with me. Say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? I can be faithful. That is so important, guys, to be faithful. Show up when you say you commit to showing up. Not say, well, it's okay to be 10 minutes late. Lisa and I used to have a couple that we would hang around. We've known for years, and when they were younger, they're not so bad now, but when they were younger, they were so far off the schedule, it was like they were in their own time zone. I'm serious. If you said be there at 5, they'd kind of waltz around about quarter of 6. So we got to the point that what we would do is, is switch the time and not tell them. So in other words, we'd say be there, you know, for example... Uh, we wanted them there at 5, so we'd tell them to be there at 4. And guess what? They'd show up a few minutes before 5. <laughs> and I'm like, when I say they're on their own time zone, it was like some sort of time zone right over their home. And everybody else in the world is operating normally, but they're not. They're always shifted, always late for everything in life. And my point is this, is that Christ is faithful. Somebody might say, that's such a small thing. But is it? 
If somebody's depending on you, somebody's looking for you, and you're not there, they're sitting there waiting. I know a minister, <laughs> I remember hearing telling this story. <laughs> You'd know his name if I mentioned it, and he's, he's a pretty big minister, and he, he was having some interviews for some work they were going to do at their ministry. Big jobs, I'm talking about contractor jobs. And so he's sitting there, and he made some time, because he was a busy guy, and he made some time between this time and this time, maybe a few hours of his day, and he was going to try to meet with about four of them. And he wanted to get the best bid, you know, that kind of thing, do what was right. The first guy showed up on time, maybe even a few minutes early, and, and did his thing, and so on and so forth. And, but one of the guys doesn't show up on time. I guess he had already made up his mind that was going to be the guy that he wanted before he showed up late. Because he had already talked with him on the phone, and after seeing all these other people, what he said on the phone was right. But the guy showed up 20 minutes late. He didn't call. He didn't do anything. He just rushed in, and the guy's still sitting at his desk, and he, he rushed in, so okay, let me get everything laid out. Just take me a few minutes. He said, never mind. I don't want you what? He said, I don't want you. I I said, if you're too slothful to show up and not even call, then I don't want you because that's how you'll act all the time. See, sometimes we think, well, we'll we'll only be that way in a certain thing. No, you won't. You're that way in every area in life. (laughs) Boy, is it quiet in this room. Now, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not, I don't know what's going on in everybody's personal life, but I'm saying, everybody say it with me, Christ is faithful. Say, I'm faithful. I, even at the tiniest thing, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. And sometimes life does happen, guys. And so make sure you call. Make sure you say something. You know what I'm saying? But don't just repeatedly, if you find yourself in a pattern in life of unfaithfulness in certain little things, fix it. That's not a good thing. That is not looking like Christ. I believe he would have been early for everything. Amen. Ready to go. How many would agree? I don't think he was late to the cross. <laughs> Probably a little early. <laughs> Ready to go. Amen? Everybody say, I still love you, Pastor. All right, thank you. Now, number four, Christ is faithful. Christ is faithful. Now, I could have used several words. One of the words I had on here was undaunted. And then my wife looks like, well, what does that mean? And so I gave her several examples, and we're going, we're trying to look for the right word. So I came up with faithful, and you'll see why. Christ is faithful. Romans 8.37. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Okay, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Christ kept the faith. He completed his course. In other words, what I'm trying to say is this is that when I use the word undaunted, I'm talking about he would not be moved from what was coming at him. There were things going against him. He would stay steady, immovable from not being moved off course. That's what I mean. He was faithful to be where he was supposed to be, and nothing was going to move him or change him on that. For example, when it came to persecution... Christ was faithful. He remained faithful even though there's all this persecution against him. And there was a lot of difficulties that faced him. I'm talking all the way up to someone trying to kill him multiple times. Ridicule. He was picked on constantly, constantly torn apart. He could hardly say anything. Sounds like the day we live in today. You've got some guy telling the truth out here, and then everybody picks it apart out there. He was constantly being ridiculed, yet he would not move off course. He stayed steady. He was faithful, even through death, even when it came time. He knew where he was going. He was born to die. He knew it. And as he was heading and he was getting closer and closer and closer, remember we talked about he's in the garden. Lord, if there's any other way, nevertheless... Nevertheless, I'll go your way. He was faithful to what God called him to do. He would not be moved off of it. There are Christians I know that the slightest little thing, the slightest little excuse will move them from being faithful. Well, this happened. You can have five children at home, a husband and a wife, and maybe the youngest gets a little snotty green nose, and everybody stays home. Boy, it was quiet. 
and everybody stayed home. <laughs> see, what my wife and I used to see, I, I want to tell you something, guys. My wife and I were faithful at where we were at. We gave our word. And so when the situation arose like that, we had three children, then what we would do is make a decision. I would go in the morning, and I would take the other two. She'd stay home with the baby. And I, we went to church and did our thing and did our best with what we had. Then I came home, and we switched roles. And I stayed home with the baby, and she went to church with the. But see, a lot of people, well, you know, things aren't perfect. Oh, well, let's just stop. And see, that's not being faithful. You have a little financial trouble. Well, maybe we shouldn't tie this time. That's not being faithful. Every little excuse that comes down the pike to give them an opportunity not to do something, they just kind of shy away from it. you got to be rock solid. That's who Jesus was, rock solid. He would not be moved. If God's word said this is what we're going to do, that's what we're going to do. To the point that he said, if that mountain is in my way, be removed and get out of my way. There was nothing that was going to stop him. You understand that? Nothing was going to stop him. Well, you have to act the same way. And the moment you get to the point where nothing will stop you, the devil will stop hassling you. But he will push and push and push in your life if you can be moved. It's like, you know, I've shared this many times where that first commitment to go to church and and say, man, we we, we saw from the word of God, we need to be faithful to church. And so, honey, we're going to be faithful to church. (laughs) And then all hell breaks loose. Everything goes wrong that can go wrong. Why? Well, the devil's not liking the idea so much. And so the devil comes in and little sickness here and this happens and the car has a problem, the washer has a problem, giving you every excuse down the pike. Listen to me carefully. When my wife and I had kids at home and things like that would happen, there were times we didn't even have a car. I'd call someone up, hey, I need a ride. I got to get there. Why? Because I committed. I don't miss. I don't. Family would come by on a Sunday night from out of town. (laughs) <laughs> I'd say, hey guys, make yourself comfortable. You can either stay here or go to church, but we're going to church. I'll be here when we get back. We'll eat then. <laughs> He's, oh, 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 oh. I gave my word. And my word is my life. Is not God's word worth everything? See, sometimes we look at God and say, wow, look how he keeps his word. We are to be like him. If I gave my word, then it's worth everything. And the Bible says, keep your word to your own hurt. That means what? It's going to hurt you. And if i got to lose $2,000 over it, I'm going to lose $2,000. I gave my word to Will that I would marry him. I gave my word. The very couple of weeks before that, remember, we win the, the thing and they want me to go out to California. And we win that contest. And, I'm th- and they want me to fly out, guess when? The Saturday of his wedding. And I'm like, I told Lisa, I gave him a word. Now we're talking, that first one was $10,000 if we win, but you have to go. Somebody has to be there. And we were the only two that could go. So I told him, I prayed, Lord, you know the situation. Certainly wouldn't mind the $10,000, and it could lead to more. But I will not break my word. I don't care how much money. I don't care if it was a million dollars. I called up and I said, listen, I got to do a wedding that I'm doing. I said, I'll love to be in the contest, love to do it, but you're going to have to work around me. And they did. Now, we didn't get into L.A. till 11 o'clock that night, but they moved all the flights and made everything work around us. So I didn't have to miss anything. But see, there's a lot of people that would have said right there, oh, well, I mean, this is more, my, my family could use it, you know, and, and well, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. They wouldn't even give it a thought. Are you guys seeing something here? Say, I keep my word. Say, I keep my word to my own hurt. Now, it's easier said than done. Because I promise you, the devil will on purpose find something to stick a wrench in there. He'll test you to see if you actually got what it takes. But see, a lot of people, they'll, they'll bend, they'll quit. They'll, well, you know, the Lord understands. Does he? Does he? 
Why don't you ask him when he was going to cross? Well, you know, you, you, you understand, Lord, don't you? Did he give everything? Did he? So don't even think about saying, Lord, he under, yeah, he understands you're not faithful. How many of you would die for the Lord? I would. I, every can ought to go up, even out of embarrassment. But, I mean, because I don't want to be the only one up. But I'd die for the Lord. But here, I'm going to say something. I want you to listen closely. You're not going to die for him if you won't live for him. <laughs> if you just can't live for him, you're certainly not going to give your life for him. Amen? Boy, it's quiet. You guys still love me? <laughs> Listen to me. I'm just giving you the word, and I am sharing some things. But I do believe this. Listen to me carefully. I, I was out last night, spending some time with the Lord, and I noticed a pattern in what he's given me the last couple of weeks. And that pattern is for us to become more and more Christ-like. That's what he wants for us, more and more Christ-like. But we have to see the truth for what it is. We can't say, well, I love these parts of Jesus, but I'm not so thrilled with these parts. Amen. We can't pick and choose. We got to take everything. Amen. All right. So like Christ, we must never give up. Be immovable. Number five, lastly, number five, Christ is undefeated. (laughs) I was thinking about like there's boxers that we would call undefeated, but they were eventually defeated. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, even old age will catch up with them. <laughs> Eventually, even the undefeated is going to be defeated, right? Eventually. They could say, well, I'm undefeated, but I'm not fighting anymore. <laughs> and some bigger guy says, come on, I'll take you. Nope, nope, I'm just going to keep my title. I don't want to lose anything. But how many believe Christ is undefeated and will be continued to be the undefeated one? Amen? 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Say it with me. I have the victory. Now say it like we mean it now. Say, I have the victory. Now, you have the victory over everything in life. Amen? The Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. It all comes down to who's in you. Amen? Jesus is in me. Jesus is in you. That's why. That's why we overcome. Amen? We overcome because of Him. We have victory through Christ, not ourselves, but through Him. Listen to me. Christ arose from the dead, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Amen? He is the victorious one, and we are victorious in Him. Jesus said this. Listen, we can be victorious as well. He said, because I live, you live also. That resurrection power that raised him up is in you and me. That could conquer any sickness and disease. That could conquer any challenge that your body could throw at you. That you could conquer any problem you could face. Listen to me. Nothing could hold Jesus in that grave. Nothing. That same power is in me and you. Not even death can hold it from us. Amen? Listen. Walking like Christ brings victory in this life and eternal life in the life to come walking like him being like him amen i want to end with this like i'm making shoes is what i'm trying to say where they fit adjust where they don't fit don't worry about it amen some of the things i said by the spirit of god you might say wow I, i took that pretty personally and you should Not by me, but by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. But on the other hand, you know, we're all growing. Amen? I'm growing. If you think this message stings in your life, what do you think it did to me? (laughs) I mean, I'm sitting there looking at all kinds of areas of my life thinking, wow, Lord, I, man, I tell you. In fact, the Lord was dealing with me the last several days about some things and walking like Christ. And how many believe that Christ walked in a lot of power? How many believe that? He walked, in, he walked in the anointing like no one has walked in the anointing. I mean, he had limitless anointing, the Bible says. And what did he say about us? He said, greater works will you do than these. I don't know about you, but I'm not seeing that level in my life. How about you? Not that level. That means I got some room to grow. 
we got room to grow. And if we grow together in this, we'll see that power manifest. How many would love to see a blind person see right in front of you? You want to see a leg grow out right in front of you. That, that is the impossible becoming possible through the power, the resurrection power of Christ. Well, guess what? We got to get them to see them. We got to bring in the blind person if we want to see it. How am I going to see a blind person get their sight if I don't know any blind people? Or I'm not around them. Amen? And so if we'll get them, I promise God will show up. Listen, this is what the Lord spoke to me this morning as I was preparing upstairs. He said this. I, I want you to get ready to put up Acts 10.38. All right? Get, don't put it up yet. Just get Acts 10.38. And the New King James is fine. This is what the Lord said. Let it be said of us as it was of Jesus. Let it be said of us as it was of Jesus. Okay, listen carefully. Let this be said of us as it was of Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So let's say it this way. Okay, I want you to think about this, what the Lord is saying. How God anointed Ashley of Thrive Family Church with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with her. Amen? You put your name in there. That's, that's what the Lord was saying. Let this be said of us. We're supposed to be doing the works of Jesus, but we can't do the works of Jesus unless we're acting like Jesus, unless we're walking in His steps. You get it? And desire to have that power flow in you. Amen? I don't know about you, but I desire that. I desire so much anointing flowing through me that anything that needed to be changed in someone's body could be changed. Amen? Whatever the need is, I could meet it. Whether that need be healing, whether that need be financial, whether that need be spiritual, it doesn't matter. I want to be used of God. How about you? Amen? Say it with me. Say, I want to be used by God. Say, Lord, send me. I'll go. Amen? But we got to do our part, and that means in life, walk like Jesus. Amen? Walk like Jesus. Be like Him. Amen? Praise God. Let's just worship the Lord.